Happy Monday morning, everybody. It's November 4th. Up here. I'm not alone. Just someone else is contemplating what to say. Facts. <laughs> good morning. Like, <laughs> thought you were about to judge me for saying good Monday morning, because is there such a it's thing? It's never a good <laughs> Monday, Matt. Coming up on today's show, that thing John MacArthur said. Plus, Uh-oh. the latest news, random facts, and more. But first, as I said, it is November 4th. And we have a few holidays to celebrate, don't we? We do. <coughs> uh, did you hear it? Uh. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Sounded like Gonzo for a moment there. So, can I just say I can't believe that it's already November? Right, yeah. October is gone. Yeah. Like that. Just like it wasn't ever here. Like a freight train. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday. Like a soldier in the Civil War. <laughs> like bang, a ship bang. in the night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today is like a Rolling Stone. National Candy Day. I really thought that this would have been November first. Right. I mean, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Or even Halloween. Why wouldn't that also not be National Candy Day? No, see, November 1st is National Candy Day because then all the candy uh, is 50% right. off. That's where you go, yeah. So Chris is convinced that people go on November 1st, buy all the candy that's 50% off, 75% off, whatever, and then save it for the following Halloween because we got all kinds of candy and it was nasty. Really? Tasted like booty. Yeah. It was gross. So I'm 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 skeptical that today is National Candy Day. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm skeptical of it. Well, I feel like there's so many other days that it could be. Even Valentine's Day, Easter. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make sense that today is National Candy Day. You're right. Well, what else is today? Today is also <laughs> National <laughs> Skeptics Day. I mean, use your common sense. It is too it's not, early for it's me not. to be picking up on your jokes. Why would it be National Candy Day today? you got to use your common sense. I'm skeptical of that. What else is today? Uh, it's also Use Your Common Sense Day. <laughs> Morning, Megan. So I feel like this was all one joke. And it's not National Candy Day. No, it really is. It really is all these three things. Whatever, Matt. Whatever. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the Christian party game Judge Not and its new Christmas edition Judge Not Object the Halls. It's the Christian Christmas party game that finally lets you judge and gossip about your closest friends right to their face. In this game, you take turns playing judge and jury and decide who is to blame for the offense listed, i.e. pointing out specks in others' eyes while ignoring planks in your own. Offenses like whose Christmas cookies came out looking like zombie versions of the ones on Pinterest and who's insistent that Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. The jury votes on who in the group is most likely to have committed the offense. Whoever votes for the person judged the most gets a point. Being judged unfairly, you have one chance to object and make your case why someone else in the room is the real offender. This is the only Christian game where you'll either become closer friends or never want to talk to each other again. We're hoping for the former. (laughs) Court is in session. As both our core game and the new Christmas version are available now, go to backrowradio.com slash games for more info. All right. 
Let's kick off this Monday with some Christianese translations. Let's huh? do it. Let's educate you a little bit <clears throat> on what some of these classic Christianisms actually mean. So I'm going to list a, or I'm going to read a phrase that you might commonly hear in church or Christian culture, and Mo is going to read the actual definition behind it. All right? All right. All right. Number one, I don't feel led. Meaning, try and make me. <laughs> Number two, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Meaning, I have nothing helpful to say. <laughs> and lastly, we're going to fellowship. Meaning, we're going to eat so much fried chicken and pie. <laughs> there you go. Helps you out in your future church situations. <laughs> yeah, so if you ever hear the word fellowship, don't freak out that you don't know what that means. It just means fried chicken and pie. Almost certainly food of some nature. Will be involved. Yeah. And a key component, not just involved, not sure. just on the side. Across like, denominations. We're eating and possibly doing something else while we eat. Exactly. But the eating will happen. The eating will happen. And if you just come to eat, you're good. Right. You can kindly say, I don't feel led <laughs> to anything else that they try and make you do. <laughs> Bo, how was your weekend and week? Uh, hey, it was really good. Yeah. It was really good. So we did a trunk or treat on Wednesday night, but it really wasn't a trunk or treat. Right, or indoors. Because we moved it inside because <laughs> of the weather, um, which, listen, I ain't, I ain't even about to hate because <laughs> I would not it have been... ridiculously cold. Yes. For this time of year in yep. New Mexico. We have had snow twice already. Yeah. So... One of them, a lot of snow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I am thankful that we moved it indoors, thankful that we could stay warm inside. But this is the first year that we have ever had, we got to just call it a table or treat, I guess. Okay. Because, <laughs> But anyway, this is the first year that we've ever set up for this event. And we went. Yeah, at this I, point, I guess it would be a trick or treat booth. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a fall festival because it's inside, but everybody has different booths that they set up anyway so it was really cool like one of my good friends she did the greatest showman and so she had like a stuffed dumbo sitting in a bucket that you had to get the candy out of Mm. and you walked down the red carpet and she had a big old um circus like tent top behind her she did a really good job and then i need um, to see that movie oh it's so good um, and then we had another friend who did Candyland, and so it was all different colors. It looked like um, on Wreck-It Ralph when they go to Vanellope's world. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sugar Rush. Sugar Rush, thank you. It looked like that. Um, anyway, there were some really, really, really cool... There was a Jurassic Park one. <laughs> yeah. Some but really what cool was booths. So we did the Avengers <laughs> And we all dressed up. Mila, if I'm being honest, we dressed up around her because she wanted to be Captain Marvel this year. And so I thought, hey, let's do a table. Let's do it. This was back before we knew it was going inside. So I was like, let's do a trunk and we'll do Avengers. And the boys can help us because they're in youth now. So technically they don't do the whole walking from table to table. So they can help us. They can serve in that way. Um, Topher was Thor with the hammer and everything. He really got 
got good into character. I was proud of him. Cannon was Captain America, and then Chris and I were Star Lord and Gamora. And so, and you committed. You painted yourself green. I did. If I'm gonna do something, I'm not gonna have do, do it, it halfway. Yeah. Um, we had this big, huge backdrop behind us that had Hulk and Hawkeye and. I don't even, anyway, it had uh, Black Widow. It had like six different Avengers on it. Then we had a gauntlet candy bowl that was. Right. That was the the cool. That, now, how much did that cost? Oh, it was only like 20 bucks really? on Amazon. Okay, yeah, it well, was it was really cheap. neat. A big, yeah. big Infinity Gauntlet glove holding up the bowl. That yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Um, we had little <laughs> Infinity Stones that were sitting across the table. <laughs> and then I had taken our letterboard from home and wrote. Love you more than 3,000, Jesus. And so everybody, wah, wah. hey, it was. It, Jesus juke. I got to tell you, Jesus like, loves you I had, I think, at least 10 moms that were like, that's so awesome. That is so cool. Way to bring it back to Jesus. That's so good. I was like, yep, thanks. Um, and then I had like teenagers that were like, "Can we get our picture with you?" Yeah, that's got to be cool. Yeah, that that's like almost like you know a Comic Con type yeah. situation where yeah. you have a really cool costume. And they it was take really, a it was really neat. And I didn't realize this, but there was a contest for the best table, and so we got first place. Awesome. Which it was voted on by the kids. Oh, that's cool. Um, so that makes yeah. it even better. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's was neat. really a whole lot of fun. But I got to tell you, so I loved every second of it. It uh-huh. was awesome. But I went up to my friend who was a kindergarten teacher afterwards, and I said, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there. All teachers deserve an award and, like, the biggest award ever because it's one thing to people, you know, to just kind of have adult conversations and be polite and (laughs) friendly. It's another thing to children. Like, I was down in a squatted position for an hour and a half, and I, hey, I'm so glad that you came. I'm so glad. Like when it was Spider-Man or another superhero, I'm like, we needed you. We're so glad you're here. We were missing you. Now, did they fill you in on the mission for tonight? Because we got to keep it on the down low. We can't let anybody, you know. And so by the end of it, like my cheeks hurt. My head I'm was smiling, throbbing. Yeah. My voice was hoarse. And I was like, I'm done. It's been an hour and a half that I've been children, childrening. And I am done. So <laughs> teachers do it all day long, all day long, five days a week. Yep, eight hours a day, five days a week. I can't. Nope. Shout out to all of our teacher friends out there. You have my <laughs> utmost respect, especially on like November first, which I know November first oh, sucked yeah. for all of the teachers out there, all of our teacher friends. All the kids both tired and strung out on candy. And it was a Friday. Like <laughs> that's just the worst of the worst. Oh, so, yep. yeah. Right, that was right. the big event that happened in our house. We won! Yay! With the Avengers. I was so excited. Yeah, y'all did look good. Thanks. Uh, the post y'all made with all your costumes. It was fantastic. Fun. It was really Y'all fun. went all out. That was good. I really didn't think I was going to get the whole family. And I even had people that were like, was Chris even a part of it? <laughs> Chris dresses like Star-Lord every day. <laughs> but he had the red leather jacket. And yeah. so Chris and he had like, like, didn't he have the Nerf gun version of yes. the, the we'll see yeah, what it, blaster so or whatever? He was really mad about this, okay? Because we ordered it. Mm-hmm. And the only kind that you can get looks like a Nerf gun. Yeah. 
But it's not technically a Nerf gun. It like you you can't shoot bullets with it. It's just orange and black. It just looks oh. like a Nerf gun. Yeah. So Chris is like, That's I would have liked this a lot more had it actually been a Nerf gun. Now there was a Nerf gun version. Was there? But I think it came out like with the first movie. Yeah. So it's probably long since discontinued and yeah. super expensive. No, but for, no, I thought that's what that was. That's I a think bummer. so. We're putting all of our stuff in a box, yeah. and we haven't decided if we'll do it again next year. If we'll do something different, but we're definitely going to revisit it and do it again at some point. At some yeah. point, that's a yeah. good idea because that's a good one. Yeah, we really <coughs> loved it. So, yeah. All right, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, big event of my week was officiating a. Funeral memorial service. <laughs> so how did that go, Matt? <laughs> no, it went really well. It was Good. nice. Uh, I, tr- I tried to stop worrying about, like, my, I guess, performance, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And more just focus on making sure I I paid attention to, you know, you the family. The and and, you know, and <laughs> I and I stepped out of my comfort zone and really went in, you know, beforehand, and I talked to each and every one of the family members. And, hey, good and, you for know, you! Got, got stuff going. It, went, it went really well, uh, <clears throat> and uh, except they seemed I feel no. Like, okay, there's no except. They <laughs> I feel se- like there's an seemed, except coming. They seemed uh, very pleased with how it went, and and several of the family members came up afterwards and told me that that they were appreciative of how it went, and so I'm 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 happy with it. Good. Uh, and I'm, I don't think anything went terribly wrong and the dangerous part, the dangerous element of the memorial service, which some, some memorial services do is, you know, the open mic is get up and share, share a moment. And that didn't go great at my father's, uh, memorial service back in January. My, my nephew got up there and just kind of got in a feedback loop of himself just kept saying like the same kind of stories or going back to the same thoughts. And he was up there for a good 12 to 15 minutes. And none of us had like any backup plan of how to get someone down when they're rambling. And then he eventually stopped. And then my older, my, the middle brother, my, my next oldest brother, we knew he was going to talk forever, but he at least had different things to say. So he was up there talking for about, let's say another 15, 20 minutes. Everybody else only talked for about five or less, but so it's dangerous. But I did go to one. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I want to say it was last year. It might have been the year before. I think it was last year. There was an accident. I mean, there's several accidents at the Sycamore and yes, and I've had an accident there. Terrible place. Terrible intersection. You um, went to high school with. Him. Yeah, yeah. Guy and his wife. Uh, yeah. Guy that I went to high school with. Uh, junior high. Everything. Uh, we hung out a lot, actually, in junior high. Um, they both they both died in that accident, and so there was a memorial service for for them. It was a joint memorial service, and it was happening at the funeral home, which they have like a little chapel, which barely seats. I know that's like the smallest funeral. Fifty home people, in... maybe, and there were three hundred people there. Yeah. At some point, um, and so we're all standing room only. Well, they do an open mic thing, and that open mic thing goes for an hour and fifty minutes. I bet. We're there for three hours for the service, and it's so packed, you can't just, like, quietly sneak out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this, yeah, I it went for, for nuts for days. Um, so, yeah, those are dangerous. 
And a lot of that was because people got up there and just started rambling. They didn't have like a coherent thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like I have to say something. So they get up and they don't have a direction. And so they just keep looping and circling and nobody's going to have the gall to stand up and say, okay, sit down. And done. Yeah. <laughs> At a funeral service and a memorial service. So it's dangerous, but everything went well. No, just no have hiccups a at ours. Cut. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that it's you know it's a step yeah. out of my comfort comfort zone but it was a uh it was a good thing and uh i feel confident that should the need arise again i could do another one so well, now you have to do a wedding no oh, so gosh can... our friend tyler does weddings yeah he's you know he's he says it's fine it's easy and he's not a very outgoing person either so no and i don't feel <laughs> like between the two of you as a public speaker like he's a good teacher Mm-hmm. But between the two of you as a public speaker, I think you're a little more uh, comfortable on the stage. Yeah, when I have a direction and know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I've known, and I can I can tell that just from Sundays because I give up and I give the announcements at the beginning of service. And if I'm like if I'm running behind and I'm not I haven't sat down and planned out the direction I'm going to go through this bulletin. Yeah. <laughs> I get up there and it's awful. Then you open it up for jokes and then it goes south real quick. <laughs> Nobody wants to laugh on Sunday mornings. I don't understand. Yeah, that was awful. We played that on the we played that on the show, didn't we? Uh... Yeah, you may have to bring it back at some point. But that's just I think it's like worst case scenario of of things that can go wrong at church. What do you what do you call it when a Mexican Okay that's that. <laughs> And no, we're done. <laughs> shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't I don't think that. I've ever been to a funeral that has an open mic. Really? I've been yeah. to so many of them. Well, I mean I guess because I work them. Uh, but so. see, like my fear is what if nobody wants to get up and say anything? <laughs> like well, bet... we're gonna open up the floor now for anyone who wants to share some well, thoughts I mean, this, about Megan and This also includes your family, so Exactly. <laughs> my kids are like, Nope, we're said everything I needed to say to her while she was alive. I ain't got nothing to say now. <laughs> Yelled the last few things to her in her casket. Yep. You suck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a good fear. That's a yeah, healthy fear. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't think I want that. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm not even going to bring it up to Chris because now everything that I ask for at my funeral, he's doing the exact opposite if I die first. So. Right? Because what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly his his rationale. What are you going to do? Haunt me? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Frankly, I'd like to see you. Yeah. So. <laughs> Haunt me all you like. All right. A bit of background news. A new study is taking a look at the impact horror movies have on the average film watcher. According to the New York Post, a study was conducted by one poll for the streaming service Tubi to gauge a better understanding of what adults remember about their childhood horror movie experiences. The study surveyed 2,000 people and found that many adults remembered watching their first horror movie at age 10. And 52% of people shared that many of the things that scared them then still frighten them today. 47% said that these scary movies have later caused them to have nightmares. 
I fit in those categories. Do you really? Mm-hmm. What was your first? It wasn't movie? ten though. It was at five because my brothers. Oh my made gosh. Me watch, my brothers made me watch it when my parents were not in the house. Well, that's nice. And it was it. It was Stephen King's it, and that is why I am terrified of clowns. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, I can't even argue. <clears throat> yeah. But I gotta say, so this is the first year. Canon is like. For two years now, he's been really big into Pennywise. We mm. still haven't let him see the movie It because it's just a little... And we're talking about the new one, right? Or are you talking about the old one? He has... So, Canon is an artist and he has a fascination with drawing okay. It. Okay. And it's from now to way back in the 70s. Tim Curry. Yeah, version. it is... He, and he does a phen- phenomenal job. It's amazing when he draws it. Yeah. But I'm like, meh. I mean, the other day he was like, well, but Pennywise is the good clown, right? He's the good guy. And everybody's just mean to him. And we're like, uh, no. Not at all. No, bud. And he's <laughs> like, okay, well, then maybe I don't want to watch it. But this year he got into the Purge movies. Yeah. So he See, watched... those are some of the movies that I like. Yeah, he really enjoyed watching the Purge movies. And then I started watching the series, and I was like, no, you can't watch the series. Right. Um, <laughs> well, even the movies aren't that great. But... but there's not nearly as much. There's a lot of sexual stuff in the series, and there's not. Yeah, that's true. There's not a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but then we let Mila watch Signs and the Sixth Sense with us. <laughs> and she loved signs yeah she thought it was the coolest movie ever like she was holding on to every single thing and then at the end when you know um mel gibson tells joaquin phoenix swing away (laughs) if you haven't seen this daggone movie yet for real that's all i gotta say anyway he tells him to swing away and mila's like Get the bed! Get the bed! (laughs) The night before we had watched The Sixth Sense, because I remember watching that one prior to Signs. Yeah. It's earlier, you know, it was made before. It's one of his first big ones. Yeah. And she was not that much of a fan. She closed her eyes for a lot of it and... But I didn't care for that movie all that much myself. Yeah. She actually fell asleep during it and I had to wake her up and tell her... He was dead the whole time. And she's like, what? This is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, of course, the next night we watch Signs, and she's like, we should have watched this one yesterday. It's so much better. Do you like The Village? I loved The Village. That was such a good one. So he's my favorite director, M. Night Shyamalan. He's my favorite director. Mm-hmm. And I had some, I posted that on Facebook last week or the week before, and I had somebody like, Really? Question mark. Well, I mean, his last, his the first few movies that he did, yeah, that were huge, were huge, and they were great. Yeah. And then he did a lot of stinkers. Yeah. And those are the most recent ones. Yeah. So, <laughs> the four that I remember: <clears throat> Sign, Six Sense, The Village, and Lady in the Water. Unbreakable. Oh, I don't even think I've seen that one. You haven't seen that with Bruce Willis? Uh uh-uh. uh. Another Bruce Willis one. Okay. Okay, you gotta see that. That's a good. That's like a superhero tinged one. Okay. Oh, so good. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but I I really enjoyed Lady in the Water was the only one that I, I was kind of like, eh. I could have done without that one, but the other three I love. I love them. <laughs> so anyway. All right. The only other horror movies, horror esque movies that I've watched that I've enjoyed, have been. 
like the Scream trilogy, the first three mm-hmm. Screams, because those are kind of comedies as well. Yeah, Cannon watched them yeah. this year as well. He yeah. really got into the whole, it's kind of our family tradition that through the whole month of October we watch scary movies. That's it. Yeah. No- Nothing else? <laughs> well, no, n- not throughout the other 12 months of the year. We oh, don't do, you don't do it any other time. Yep. Okay. We so only like, watch scary I'm in like, October. I feel like I would have to go at least scary comedy, scary yeah. comedy, scary yeah. comedy. <laughs> Gotta have some relief. No, we just have horror flicks on... Every hour of every day. <laughs> oh, man. And they went to their first haunted house this year. Oh, gosh. Yep. Blah. The boys did. Mila did not. We were, I was, we played a, a Way Back Wednesday uh-huh. last week yeah. instead of a Throwback Thursday, and it was from a Halloween from the podcast. Yeah. And I remember telling the story about the haunted house at Wonderland, the haunted yeah. house ride thing yeah. at Wonderland. And I had to relive that story as I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, that was terrifying. Because we were... Because I don't like it. I didn't want to be on it. Daedra convinced me to get on it. Finally, one year, I'm like, fine, we do it. And we get in there, and it stops in the middle of a room. And I'm freaking out, going, "Uh, is this part of it? Is somebody going to jump out at me? What? It had broken down, and we were stuck there in this room with all these things moving and flipping out and in dark. The worst part of that ride being stuck in there is that it's so stinking hot in that thing. It's pretty hot. But that is mine and Daedra's favorite ride when we go to yeah, Wonderland. No. Wonderland, and we're so I think I have to credit Daedra and I for the way that Topher handled the haunted house. Yeah. Okay, because Daedra and I we get in the haunted house ride and we just joke the entire time. Mm. We make a big funny stink of it. Okay, <laughs> and the kids have rode with us multiple times when we've gone and so Topher comes home from the haunted house and I'm like I was freaking out the whole time not knowing how my kids were going to handle it they've never done anything like this before they went with the youth group they did the haunted corn maze and then did the haunted house and I'm like great I'm going to get a call that I have to come pick up my kid or I've got to come find him because he took off running ran into the street which they had one one child who took off running in the corn maze and they couldn't find her for like 20 minutes oh, geez. because she ended up getting lost. She got so freaked out and ran off from the Bolted. group. Yeah. Anyway, but apparently Topher was the back. He was the last person of his group. And so, you know, as the guy comes out with the chainsaw, he's like, hey, cool chainsaw guy. I really like that. That's awesome. And the guy's like, hey, thanks. Or the guy jumps out at the haunted house and he's like, raw. And Topher goes, raw, right back at him. And I'm like, aw, I have raised a really resilient child who can handle these scary situations with laughter instead of fear. I was really proud of that. You see, I went to... What I thought was a birthday party, and it turned out to be a Halloween party when oh, I was a kid. Yeah. And they they did a good job. The parents like they they had this nice big treehouse thing that they had set up all these like scary chemicals and whatever. And I tried that tactic that year. Yeah. Because I was surprised by it, and I wasn't expecting it. So I yeah. tried just like laughing at everything, and I wasn't like making fun of anybody or nothing. I was just you know you know not being scared, but yeah. not being like in awe either, like everybody else was. Yeah. They kicked me out. Really? Like the one of the parents came and said, "Okay, you need to come out here because you're ruining it for everybody else." <laughs> so that didn't work for me. <laughs> That's rude. It was rude. I barely knew the any of these children. I, I had a tentative connection to the girl whose birthday I thought it was, and I think it still might have been her birthday, but they were still just doing because it was near Halloween, so they were yeah. just doing a Halloween themed version. But 
Anyway. That's so rude. It was rude. And it's a memory that I've held on to for my entire life. Obviously. <laughs> I would have just been like, cool, that's how he's handling the situation. Right. Way to be resilient. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho. My sad childhood aside. Let's go. I'm sorry that happened to you, Matt. Do I need to go beat up the people? Because I, I will do it. it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a true friend, Mo. I am. <laughs> Coming up next hour, we're going to get into the controversial remarks that John MacArthur had to say about Beth Moore and other women in ministry. But for now, it's Manic Monday. So we're going to kick off this block of music with three songs to rock your socks off. Stick around. We'll be back at the top of the hour. Hey, have you heard? We're so glad that you're listening to the Backroom Morning Show in its podcast form. But we hear there's actually an entire radio station that plays some amazing Christian music throughout the show and all day long. We've heard and now you have too. Join us at BackRowRadio.com and stream online or download our free app for iPhone and Android. Backrow Radio, Christian music in every flavor. The tanker truck is going to blow. There's nothing we can do about it. I want everyone in the hot zone out. Fire, police, everyone. Do we have all the houses evacuated? Just about, sir. Just about? Well, there are a couple of houses where the people look really comfortable. I hated to bother them. What? Well, one house was getting ready to have dinner. You know how rude it is to be interrupted during dinner. The Bible says that there will come a time when people who do not believe in Jesus will stand before God and face an eternity in hell. Look, that tanker is going to explode. Do your job, get in there, and tell those people they're in danger. Oh, can't we send someone else? I feel really awkward telling people, get out now before your house explodes. I mean, who's going to believe that? Because Jesus died for us, we can escape an eternal punishment in hell by having faith in Him. If you're not telling others about this good news, what excuses are you using? Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show here on Back Row Radio, exclusively on Back Row Radio. Here, Matt and Mo, ready to kick off your second hour with five random facts. Five random facts. Okay, dropping is a tradition. Dropping is a tradition among many Dutch parents. They take their kids camping, then abandon them in the forest at night so the child must find their way back on their own. Some parents follow their kids hiding and growling in the dark. <laughs> I think I might be Dutch right. at heart. This sounds like something you would do. <laughs> it does, huh? <laughs> See you later, guys. Have fun. <laughs> 
Uh, dogs can get a sense of when you're supposed to be home from work based on how much of your scent is left in the house. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So throughout the day, our scent wears away. away. And then when it's practically <laughs> all gone, they're like, wait, they should be home. I will go sit by the door. So that's why they sit by the door, or how they know to sit by the door. Yeah, okay. maybe. An estimated 30 people are bitten by squirrels in New York City every year. I believe it. <laughs> squirrels are mean. Before sleeping, most people will imagine stuff they want to happen. I do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like I have a list going through my head of, okay, tomorrow I need to make sure I accomplish this, 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 and this. <laughs> and then I go to sleep on it. <laughs> People who feel an urge to correct other people's grammar are actually suffering from a form of OCD. Grammar pedantry syndrome. Pedan yeah, pedantry, I think. Pedantry syndrome. As in it's pedantic, you know. <clears throat> okay, so I just have to tell you, you know how you see all kinds of really stupid arguments on Facebook, like in the comment section of things? Mm -hmm. you, what's the one rule to... All social media, never read the comments. Yeah. Okay. So I'm reading some comments, and it's on a thread that was not controversial by any means, but it was a picture frame, and this lady was like, uh, she was gifted a picture frame, and the things that were inside of it were off-centered. And she was like, would it be wrong of me if I fixed this so that I can feel better about hanging it in my home, you know? Just asking for opinions. Because it was a gift from a friend. Yeah. And then she said something along the lines of it being off-centered is getting to her OCD. It's affecting her OCD. There was a lady that hops up <laughs> on her comments and was legitimately offended that she said OCD. She said, this is more anal retentive. I take offense being someone who suffers from OCD that you use the term so flippantly. It's like using the R word. Oh, gosh. Retarded. No. Yeah. Not even close to that. I know. <laughs> so I'm like reading I mean, this and I was like, what is she? What? I could understand her her being offended in the fact that she has it and, some, and a lot of people use it flippantly. But at the same time, that's how it's been used for, for years and it's not a derogatory term yeah like using you know saying retarded that's typically a derogatory term mm -hmm. uh this is not so much this is just you know it's it's just a, a funny way of saying something's off and it's bugging me and i really want to fix it yeah which is in reference to what ocd typically is yes even if it's not like the clinical definition um, so yeah, I yeah. don't, yeah, that's not. She definitely had her high horse this and whole... she was sitting up on it nice and proud. I, I just hate that we live in a culture now that, that gets so offended over everything. Not just that, but that, that is glorified as the right position in any situation. The person who is offended is right. Always. Oh yeah. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can no longer it. tell people. You're wrong. And I mean that in a loving way. But you're wrong. I mean that because I want you to be right. Yeah. I mean, not in a in a hateful way. Right. Not in a way that, like, I'm, I'm going to tell everyone that I know how wrong you were, <sighs> even though I actually am doing that right now. Um, 
if you're removed from the situation. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I can't even remember this lady's name, so it's not like it really matters. But at the same time, like, we can't in a loving manner anymore tell somebody, you know, I think you need to look at this from a different perspective. Yeah. Just doesn't work anymore. Nope. All right. We'll check about this. And we got some back row news. Aldi grocery stores is uh, taking everything you love about Thanksgiving dinner and the leftovers and throwing it all into one dish. The grocery brand is set to start rolling out turkey cranberry ravioli next month. According to the packaging, the ravioli is a traditional blend of slow roasted turkey with cranberries, stuffing, and fine cheeses. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, customers are encouraged to serve the dish with gravy. In addition to that, the brand is also rolling out bourbon sweet potato ravioli, which will feature a blend of sweet potatoes, bourbon, and cheese in its filling. Both pasta dishes will be available for customers to sh- uh, to shop beginning on November 6th. Hey, Kara, I'm going to need you to go grab me a couple of these. <laughs> Thanksgiving raviolis served with gravy. I, listen, I don't think that I'm going to serve it with gravy, but I love ravioli just with butter and seasonings. Uh, I don't okay. put sauce on top of it. And both of those sound so good. Yeah, the uh, I, the sweet potato one, sweet potato one sounds really good to me. Yeah, the other one not so much. No. no. Yep, I'm totally trying both. But then of them. again, I'm not a big fan of like mixing the flavors of Thanksgiving. I'm still very much food shouldn't touch on the plate on Thanksgiving. Well, that's how I feel. Like my first plate on Thanksgiving Day, food should not touch, and every other meal, every other day of the year. That's how Slap I feel. Slap it together. But no, oh. I don't like my food to touch every other meal. Okay. But there's something about Thanksgiving leftover plate that it's like, all right, how much of this can I pile into a sandwich mm. and still make edible? <laughs> Mashed potatoes on my sandwich? I think so. <laughs> Turkey, stuffing, little bit of corn. Maybe even the green bean casserole (laughs) and slather some gravy on top of it all. I will admit, one of the best sandwiches that I've ever had was made from leftovers that I decided to cram together. Mm. They were still very much going together. It was a... It was leftover half of a chicken fried steak that had white gravy on it. And then I had like shoestring potato french fries that I like, I baked them a little bit to get Mm -hmm. them crispier again. I put them on on a a big roll. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. I got my low voice when I was talking about that. That was, that's, I was serious. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, but nobody can hear me on the radio when, it when comes I talk to like food, this. <laughs> Matt has to get serious. All right. Well, uh, if you've been living under a rock, then you probably didn't hear about this that happened uh, almost two weeks ago at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, so. Bible teacher Beth Moore, who was publicly mocked uh, by a prominent evangelical leader, uh, responded to this uh, on Twitter. So let's say what John MacArthur said. John MacArthur was uh, at a Truth Matters conference. He is a he's a best-selling author. He's a radio host. He's he's done a lot of good, but he's also known for being. Bit cantankerous, bit rude, and uh, a little overly blunt at times with what he believes about certain things. And this was no exception. He was at this uh, Truth Matters conference, and the radio, or not the radio, the the panel discussion host 
asked him and uh, fellow pastor Phil Johnson. The first question posed by the moderator was what he thought of when he heard the name Beth Moore. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Beth Moore, best-selling author. She's produced several Bible studies, mm -hmm. typically aimed women. at women. Yeah. Uh, almost almost exclusively aimed at women. And she goes around, she, she similar, more similar to an evangelist, though with a little bit more meat in her messages. But she goes around and, and preaches sometimes at different conferences, sometimes at churches. I think it's more conferences than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, I mean, that's where she is. She's not a pastor, per se. Uh, she definitely doesn't like have a home church that she's the pastor of. She's a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, which doesn't typically allow for that, um, or doesn't allow for that that I'm aware of. But when he, when uh, that p question was posed to John MacArthur, his response was, "Go home." And then he added, "There's no case that can be made biblically for a woman preacher." Period. Paragraph. End of discussion. Uh, and people who have seen you know if you've seen the video it's been described as you know he was almost laughing at that and and this seemed to be the setup it seemed to be a setup for him to make some sort of joke with that moderator question and he you know laughed at it he was kind of well, essentially mocking mocking mm -hmm. beth moore who in my personal opinion has done a lot of good uh for the lord uh, a lot of good for helping people. I personally took one of her studies just by myself, and it was aimed at women, but it was more aimed at breaking addictions and stuff. So mm -hmm. when I was uh, dealing with you know my struggles and my addictions, uh, I went through her breaking free mm -hmm. uh, study just by myself, and it was fantastic. And it really helped me get kind of like a, a groundwork going on what I needed to do uh, to start getting all that junk out of my life. And everything that I've heard from her uh, has been biblical. I know Deidre's taken several Beth Moore Bible studies in the past. Uh, I've listened to a few of her messages online. All seems to be scriptural. All seems to be fine. I mean, with everybody, uh, with every kind of uh, preacher or, or evangelist or whatever that's in the spotlight, you're always going to find something that they say or they don't say that's that you might disagree with mm -hmm. and you're going to find people online who take that disagreement and blow it up into, well, this is full blown heresy. And, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. But this, this situation struck a blow at Beth Moore, but then essentially it struck a blow at, at women in ministry period. Mm -hmm. And I guess what we're going to talk about a little bit later is in the in the third hour is exactly what the role of women in ministry is, can be, should not be. Uh, and honestly, I don't think Mo and I really know what each of us think of that mm -hmm. or if either of us have a full, fully realized uh, opinion on that. I don't know. Um, I know personally, I I haven't really dealt with this topic myself a whole lot. And so I had to kind of go into this preparing for today, uh, reading a bunch of different articles and what a bunch of different interpretations of, uh, I believe it's First Timothy or Second Timothy, uh, was with all these kind of rules for pastors and rules for gender roles in the church and stuff like that and, and what that means to us today and what that meant then and all that. So there's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I want to talk about is just with this, Beth Moore's response to this was... 
uh, on Twitter, she wrote, I did not surrender to a calling of man when I was 18 years old. I surrendered to a calling of God. It never occurred, occurs to me for a second to not fulfill it. I will follow Jesus and Jesus alone all the way home, and I will see his beautiful face and proclaim, worthy is the lamb. Here's the beautiful thing about it, and I mean this with absolute respect. You don't have to let me serve you. That gets to be your choice. Whether or not I serve Jesus is not up to you. Whether I serve you certainly is. One way or the other, I esteem you as my sibling in Christ. Thoughts? (laughs) I feel like there doesn't need to be anything said. Like, to me, this was just... It would have been so difficult for me to have not come back with, who the crap do you think you are? (laughs) You know what I mean? It would have been so easy Mm -hmm. to respond in that way and be validated by much of the, you know, by many standards. (laughs) Many people would have been like, good for you, Beth, had she just really given it to him. Yeah. But... Her response alone to his original response, to me, I just feel like shows her heart versus his heart, mm-hmm. you know? See, he used it, you know, he used that moment to attack, you know, women in ministry in general, which is, it's more in, indicative of, of a, a personal bias that he has. Like, personally, I remember when I was, like, a teenager, uh, and officially I wasn't even a Christian at this point, but I was pretending to be one, uh, and I believed in a lot of this stuff. I just hadn't made that commitment. But I was pretending to be one, and I was in this Christian chat room or whatever, and someone came in the chat room and said, hey, guys, are there any other Mormons in here? And my first reaction as this, you know, childish teenager who was ready to defend the faith for some reason mm-hmm. uh, was to quote the scripture and you shouldn't add anything to the Bible, whatever scripture that was. I don't even remember now. Yeah. Add or take away from the Bible uh, if you're a Mormon. And that person's response was uh, something along the lines of, I can't believe you people are so hateful. I just wanted to have a discussion and they left yeah. the chat room. I'm like, uh, immediately, I'm like, oh gosh. That was terrible of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> What's wrong with having a discussion? Uh, you know, that's kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I can't. So even from that, even before I had actually like come to Christ or surrendered to Christ, I guess, in that way, because I believe I just didn't surrender. Right. Uh, before surrendering to Christ, uh, and I'm sure I did it several times you know, after, I was, I was big into debating mm-hmm. with people. So I was very rude for, for many, many years, a rude Christian for many, many years. And, uh, it's just, it's a dangerous road to go down. And I've realized that since getting into Celebrate Recovery, essentially, that was the big change, Mm -hmm. Celebrate Recovery and seeing how people respond. Uh, and it's just, it's a dangerous, it's dangerous to cut such a wide swath. Let's put it that way. It's dangerous to, to lump an, an entire group of people into a conversation you're having on one person because mm-hmm. it sounds like, especially with the setup. So the sounds I you know I don't really know, but 
given the fact that it was set up with a specific name, mm-hmm. the question was asked, and and he answered. It sounds like he has a problem with her, and it's been vocal before. Mm-hmm. And so to to take your distaste for uh, lack of a angrier word, <laughs> your distaste for somebody, and then cut that wide swath of everybody who's like her, mm-hmm. uh, and put them all down. I mean, it's just. It's a dangerous it's a dangerous thing that shouldn't be supported. Yeah. And unfortunately there are a lot of people who support that kind of thing. And it's because they agree with the message, but you can agree with, you know, that interpretation of whatever and not be a jerk about it. Yeah. So when you agree with the way he responded, you're agreeing that that's okay to be a jerk too. Yeah, there's so much of the Christian community who are of the mindset and I very much was part of that Christian community for a long time just like you I and there's still times where I really do enjoy a good debate but I've had to realize that I need to keep that within people who I personally know who personally know me who we have a, a relationship with and it's not going to end in... <laughs> and who are coming in down for a debate like, exactly we're, we're ready let's do this exactly but <laughs> there the, so much of the Christian community has this mindset to defend to be on guard to argue right. to prove their point and not like completely missing the mark of love. And it comes under the guise of they're protecting the faith. Right. They're protecting, you know, they're defending Jesus. Right. And they're not. They're def- they're defending a personal interpretation of doctrine. Yeah. That's all they're defending. Yeah. Doctrine that ultimately will not matter in the end. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing that matters is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Exactly. And <clears throat> they always have the argument, well, Jesus flipped tables. Okay, yes. One time. <laughs> we see Jesus get livid and angry one time yeah in his 33 years well sure not everything was was recorded well he called yeah i mean there were other times where he called pharisees names and stuff like that but yeah yeah i know what you mean like one one actual last straw kind of situation (laughs) and i'm sure that there were other times where he was very much human you know chris and i had this discussion the other day he he was human he was man you know, there were other times where his emotions probably got the best of him. But when we look at everything that was recorded and everything that his life stood for, if we were to do like a a list of most important to least important, love would be number one. Yeah. Always. Love and sacrifice. Always. And that's what's required of us. Not Defending the Bible. The Bible can defend itself. Absolutely. So in a couple responses to uh, Beth Moore's tweet, uh, Kay Warren, uh, which is Mm -hmm. Rick Warren's wife, she responded, you're a class act, Beth Moore. You are a faithful witness of how to be clay in the potter's hands, a flesh and bone disciple willing to be made something or nothing. You honor Jesus at every turn. Proud to be on the same road home with you. Uh, Jeff Lyle who is an Atlanta pastor, uh, he said, you're the modern-day spiritual equivalent of John Henry slugging your way through a seemingly immovable mountain. Beth, we see you digging a tunnel that many coming behind you will pass through. Many are praying for you in between stints of cheering for you. 
Max Lucado, a famous author, uh, responded, God bless you, Beth. Just a simple, uh, loving note. Let's see here. So this is the, yeah okay so this is one one thing that I wanted to touch on and this this was brought up by uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's anyone I can't see if he's anyone special okay his name's James Williams I don't know if he's let me know if he's <laughs> if he's know if someone he's prominent know. <laughs> that I should know of or if he's just a dude uh, but but his response was. I've got no problem with John MacArthur making a case that women shouldn't preach based on his reading of scripture, just as I have no problem with someone saying women can preach if they base it on the Bible. But his mocking tone, like others on the stage with him, is disturbing and sad. And then another response was, why would the interviewer even throw out that kind of bait? It's awful. So this is... I mean, this is a Christian conference that they're mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. for, I believe, pastors. It's a pastoral conference. Why did this happen? Yeah. Why it, was this? So, and this was the first thing that happened. It was my understanding that it was like almost as if it was a game. Yeah. You know, and it was, I'm going to say a word and you tell me the first thing that you think of when you hear that word. Yeah. And it led up to Beth Moore. And her name coming out. And I do. I 100% think that it was bait. I 100% think that it was set up. Mm-hmm. Um, that he had an agenda. And that he wanted to get his opinion out there. Yeah. And the what was his name? Williams? James Williams. Yeah. James Williams. I, I think that's the best response that I've heard. Because I 100% agree. If you want to make an argument, if you will, you want to make a case for a conviction that you feel, and it's a biblical argument, you can back it up biblically, I'm going to hear it. I'm going to listen to it. You may teach me something that I haven't learned. There's a very high possibility of it. (laughs) From either standpoint, whether you're for or against women pastors, but to do it in a way that mocks a sibling in the faith goes against everything that Jesus stands for. Everything that he died for. I agree. So there's a lot more to unpack. We're going to get into that, the actual uh, debate about women in ministry here in the third hour. Uh, When we come back, that's what we'll be taking on. But for now, let's take a music break. It's Manic Monday. Uh, We're going to hit this music uh, block with three songs that will knock your socks off. And uh, then some more fantastic Christian music. We'll be back at the top of the hour. Stick around. Back row, but louder. Two hours of the hardest rock and heaviest metal Christian music has to offer. Saturdays, 11 p.m. Eastern. Only on Back Back Row Radio.
Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show here on this Monday morning. We are glad to have you with us. Uh, before we get back into our main topic, a bit of Back Row news. Whoopi Goldberg says that she has faced resistance while trying to make a follow-up to her iconic films Sister Act and Sister Act 2. On Thursday's episode of The View, uh, I believe this was last week, while making the announcement that she will reprise her role in the movie's... Uh, for a month-long stage revival of the musical adaptation in London. So she's going to be in the the Broadway play kind of version for a while. The 63-year-old revealed that she has been trying to get a Sister Act 3 film made. The hit 1992 movie Sister Act spawned a sequel, 1993 Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit, and a popular West End and Broadway musical. Did you ever watch the Sister Act movies? Do you like those movies? Mm-hmm. I love those movies. But of course, like every movie, well, I shouldn't say every, but like most movies, the first one was the best. Oh yeah, it was great. By far. I did like the second one, but it was a completely different story. It was a, I mean, yeah. it didn't have the same theme no, at all. No, not even a little bit. Right. But so, you have to remember, I grew up in a town that was moderately black community. Oh, that's and right, yeah. It was my seventh and eighth grade year that this movie was huge. And so I remember I was part of that late in our mm -hmm. life. I was part of the choir throughout middle school. Mm -hmm. And I was like one of three white girls in the choir. And so it came out in 92. Well, so, okay. 92 and 93. Okay. So we were in elementary school, but it was still very big. I don't know if it was just something that. I mean, that would have been 96, 97 that we were in 6th grade, 7th grade. Because I went into high school in 99, 2000. That was my freshman year, 99. Freshman, ninth grade. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah. di- you know, it's different here. Oh, yeah. It was different here. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. So, so it yeah, would have we been in... 97, 98. It was only five years old okay. or so. Okay, so it was still... I guess still pretty new. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I can remember, like, I still remember these girls' names, you know, that were just, they were the girls from Sister Act. <laughs> they were them 100%. Had the voices like them, had the dance moves like them. And that was what we we performed every year, my entire four years of middle school in the choir. <laughs> So well, maybe that's fun. why, like, I love it so much. It's yeah. very nostalgic for me. <laughs> I can still picture those girls up there just belting it out. Yeah. And I thought, I am with famous people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So getting back to our main topic, in the last hour, we talked about John MacArthur and his uh, thoughts on Beth Moore and then women pastors in general. Uh, so that really leads us to the... The question, and this has been a big debate. This is one of the biggest debates, actually, that continues to rage in uh, ministry is what roles are women allowed to fill Mm -hmm. and how do we interpret uh, verses such as 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and and, uh, all these other bits and pieces that tend to imply, tend to imply that uh, women should not assume authority over a man. Uh, that's those. That's like that's the exact wording. Women mm-hmm. should not assume authority over a man. Uh, so when we when we go through this, we kind of have to interpret. Well, what does that exactly mean? You know, are are we have several situations in the Bible where we see 
women in significant roles. Uh, there was even uh, Priscilla. Priscilla was a deaconess. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 a pretty hefty role in the church. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like a clear prohibition against women serving in higher positions. But based on based on what I've read and, and what I've read from other people, I think essentially the main thing is that women are not biblically designed to be like pastors of a local church. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I believe there is a lot of room for interpretation for any other kind of role. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is that basic point something that you agree with? Or I need to get a starting gate for our discussion here. <laughs> so this is a really hard topic for me um, because I grew up in a church. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And this church, the head pastor was a woman. Oh, okay. I don't um, think I knew that. Yep. And so for my entire childhood, I was under the leadership of a woman. Hmm. The worship pastor was her daughter. Um, the assistant pastor was her husband and the children's pastor. That's strange. The children's pastor is a another one of her daughters. She They had four daughters and... This is starting to sound like a cult. <laughs> no, not at all. When it's all in the family, it's starting not to sound at all. like a cult. No. Um, one of their daughters actually lives in Australia now and attends the original Hillsong. Hillsong, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, serves on the, the worship team there. Oh, okay. So anyway, um, so this is a... It's a very personal and hard topic for me. For me to say that women cannot be pastors is to basically say that everything I learned in my childhood was kind of in vain and not for no for nothing. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and that is not true. There's a lot as an adult that I look back on that I learned as a kid that I'm like, okay, well, that's up for debate. That's up for interpretation. Again, because I now am serving in a Baptist denomination, not a Pentecostal denomination, right. you know, and there are some theological things that are... Doctrinal differences, yes. yeah. Um, but aside from that, I, so much of my formidable, formidable years were underneath the guardianship of a woman pastor. And so much of who I am as a servant, I believe, is because I had a strong woman in leadership over me. Yeah. Um, now, I obviously am a woman. So I feel like... What? <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that those two things correlate. Yeah. There may have been some guys in my youth group who aren't necessarily feeling the same way as I feel. You know, she probably didn't reach their hearts in the same way that she reached mine, simply because of gender, simply because I looked up to her as a mentor, as a role model, as someone who she is following Christ with full abandon and following what she believes is her call, his call over her life. Um, so it's really hard for me to say that, no, I don't think women can be pastors. However, 
I do think. And if there's anybody from my home church who listens, because I know that there's at least one, I don't want to discredit my home church at all. Right. I don't want to discredit my home pastor. Um, I love them dearly, and I owe a lot to them for sure. where I am now. Um, but I don't think that I would attend a church now as an adult that has a woman as a pastor, as the head pastor. Um, I could probably get behind a church that has a woman as an associate pastor, that has a woman who um, stands alongside her husband or her father or, you know, someone else, and they serve alongside, much like Rick and Kay Warren, you know, they serve alongside each other. Um, But to have her as leadership, direct leadership over a man, I don't know that I could get behind it. And personally, I believe God was protecting the women when he said that, not because we are less than, not because we are unequal to, but because to be in leadership over a man, for a lot of men, that's something that they can't handle Mm. necessarily. (laughs) For a lot of men, it's something that is hard for them to have a woman ruling over them, telling them what to do. Even as VBS director, when I had some of the older men work alongside of us in different various forms even then it was difficult for me i could see kind of the resistance on their face when i would ask them to do something and they're like why is this girl asking me to do something you know (laughs) i should be asking her to do things so there is that and it's just innate it's sure you know it's just how we are ingrained as human beings and so for me i think it's a being in that position having feeling those feelings and being on the other side of it feeling that resistance from a man i believe 100 percent that it was god's way of protecting the woman within the church um to say that she should not be in leadership over over a man and that was paul that said that to timothy Mm -hmm. um obviously we believe that that was that came directly from God to Paul as sure you know because of what we believe about the Bible right, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah and but that's that is what makes it difficult and I think I think the problem is is uh, we've we've kind of read those scriptures in a certain tone mm-hmm. for too long mm-hmm. we've read I think for many many years. Uh, at least in our recent history here in America, we have interpreted that those scriptures as meaning that the woman is lesser and that she shouldn't be uh, honored or she shouldn't be put in a, a place of of uh, any kind of high place in the church because she's lesser. Mm-hmm. Not because God gave her a, a complementary role in the church mm-hmm. and God set it up as one or the, you know, men are fit for this position, women are fit for this position, not because this position is less than men's position, but because that's how they would complement each other. I think that's how it was supposed to be set up, and it was supposed to be an equally honorable position. Mm -hmm. And we have let our personal interpretations mess that up Mm -hmm. in our minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's part of where that comes from, that ingrained sense of, you know, men give the orders, women 
sit there and listen and obey. And I think that's that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, I think it's equally as dangerous to go full bore in the opposite direction where we see like modern day feminism heading. Oh, yeah. Of a, abolishing all things led by men and patriarchy and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's not that's not going to help the situation either. Yeah. I think the I think the goal here has always been a balance that we are supposed to be able to complement each other. We're supposed to be able to uh, have our roles weave together and work together mm-hmm. for ultimate um, ultimate better purpose. Mm-hmm. And so with this, like, I'm more encouraged with the idea of your, your formal ch- former church in the fact that the wife and the husband were both pastors. Yeah. Because, like, we saw, like, I talked about Priscilla. We talked about uh, Priscilla and Aquila mm-hmm. were the, the husband and wife team yep. that uh, taught Apollos. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we saw in Acts 18. Uh, and while that wasn't in, like, a church setting, it was still, you know, a, a woman and a, her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, teaching a man, right. you know, teaching a man. So that that's kind of a woman being over, you mm-hmm. know, a man and mm-hmm. kind of not. It's kind of a team situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it's supposed to be, a team situation. So while I might not 100% agree with the, the woman being the head pastor at your church, the fact that her husband was also mm-hmm. her, uh, you know, pastor alongside her, uh, in my mind, at least helps yeah. the situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm not like, see, I'm not, I guess the difference here, like when we talk about Beth Moore, I think there's a difference in a woman pastor and a woman preacher. Absolutely. Beth Moore is not a pastor in mm-hmm. that she fulfills a role at a local church. Mm-hmm. She does not have headship over actual men mm-hmm. in a church setting. She is a preacher. Mm-hmm. She is more similar to an evangelist. She goes around and preaches at events. Mm-hmm. And they are, as we said in the second hour, they're typically aimed at women. It's typically women's conferences. Her Bible studies are typically over women. And nobody has a problem with that uh, that I'm aware of. Because that's kind of the role that women have been diminished to. You're only allowed to teach either women or children. Or children. And I can see how some people would interpret that that way. In the Bible is that that's the only that they're never allowed to even teach in any kind of format or lead a Bible study or anything like that with with adult men in the uh, classroom. But at the same time, I can see how you could completely uh, walk that back to saying, no, this is really talking about just a pastoral role. Yeah. You're having a headship over men when you're when you're teaching like in a Sunday school class or you're leading at a conference for a one day thing. You don't have any authority over those men. This is this is a, a almost a group situation. Mm-hmm. You you might be you might be helping them realize truths, but that doesn't mean that you are their spiritual teacher. Like you know, uh, I feel like that is a role that's like a permanent role, or at mm-hmm. least a semi-permanent role. This is an event. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is this is a a. A one-off thing or like with a Sunday school class, this is a group thing. Just because there's somebody leading it doesn't mean that they have authority over you. They can't tell you to sit down and or what to do, what not to do. You know, yeah. it's 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 not a it's not a role where they're in headship over you. 
it's a role where they're, you know, guiding you in the way the book is leading her to guide you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 just it's a, a tangled web of interpretations that you can have from this. And uh, I really think it comes down to those three. It comes down to either complementarianism, which I think is what we're supposed to be, where it's supposed to be, a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the women sit down, be silent role, which I think is far too prevalent. Mm-hmm. And then there's the opposite of, well, the the other interpretation is that this only applied to back then. Right. Which is a dangerous thought in my mind. Oh, yeah. If in that, I feel like that's a thought that people fall back on for much of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It was only... It was only for that that time period. But if we say that about one portion of the Bible, then we're saying that about the whole Bible. Right. And that is not, I mean, I think that we can all, all agree that that's not the case at all. Yeah. And see, I kind of talked about that on one of the solo shows that I had to do while yeah. you were away. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I talked about Jeremiah 29.11, which mm-hmm. is the, you know, the, the for passage. For I know the plans yeah. I have for you. which... I admit people use wrong uh-huh. all the time. Yeah. But at the same time, there are people that go too far and say, Jeremiah 29, 11 is not about you. And I don't agree with that. Yeah. Because essentially, I believe all of the Bible is about us. Mm-hmm. It's it's all a guideline. It's all a a story, a parable, a whatever. Every every part of it is for us to learn from. Mm-hmm. And so when you, I like to take that whole story in context. And I did that. Uh, I, that used to be a part of my my testimony. Celebrate recovery. It's putting that whole story in context. You know, it's a story about God sending the Israelites into exile because they continued to disobey him. And mm-hmm. and so he was basically letting them have their consequences mm-hmm. and saying that this, you're going to go over there and you're going to be miserable and you're going to call out for me and come back to me and then I will be found by you again. Yeah. You know? And how is that not about us? You know, when yeah. you read about that, how is that not the exact same thing that he's going to do to us? If we continue to run away from him and disobey him, he's going to let us suffer our consequences knowing that we will eventually realize, hey, we needed him all along. Yeah. You know, that's 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 obviously about us. And so I don't think we can ever say that any part of the Bible is is specifically for this time period. Now, when it comes to like Leviticus and all those kind of things that were pre pre Jesus Christ, you know, making the old law. You make the exception for that because that is told in the story in the Bible, where God came to, you know, Jesus came to to uh, to fulfill, fulfill the, the law. law and and how the the new covenant changed the old mm-hmm. covenant. That's part of the story. That's in the Bible. So if you read, the, you have to, you know, it's not about well, this specific verse right here says this, and it'll always mean this. It's about the whole story of the Bible, the way it's told, the way it begins, the way it ends, mm-hmm. that's where we are supposed to draw our doctrine from. Mm-hmm. But all that rabbit trail being said, uh, <laughs> to, say that, to, to say that what we read in the New Testament uh, in 1 Timothy about the guidelines of church leadership is only applicable to that time is... It's just it's a dangerous precedent to set, like you said. It is, and so I don't, Very much I so. don't think we should entertain that. So the other thing, the the only other two left is just the, is this is this a women are lesser or is this a women are equal but in different roles, 
that are both necessary kind of thing. And then what are those roles allowed to be? So I think it's clear that women are allowed to be like deacons, which are very high roles in many churches um, and, and historically have been. Uh, And I, I believe a case can be made that like what Beth Moore does is fine Mm -hmm. on, on the most part. Because she's, again, not a pastor with actual headship over men. Uh, leadership, uh, like, you know, you know what I mean. In a pastoral role over specific men, just her. And I think that's, honestly, I think that's really the only real qualification that I see, or qualifier that I see, that people would have a problem with. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> I feel like I'm starting to ramble and I don't know where I'm going now. Well, for me, I... it's okay if you disagree with me. <laughs> no, <laughs> for the most part, we agree, Matt. Um, okay. For me, I just, as a woman, it broke my heart to hear this being said because it wasn't just about Beth. Right. It was about it, yeah women in general. Yeah. It was about women within the ministry who have a voice because there are women who are more introverted who don't mind sitting and being quiet and doing what they're told. I am not one of those women. (laughs) You know, to me, I took it on a very personal level almost to say that what we do here every Saturday morning, he's going to have an issue with. He's going to have a serious issue with me Voicing my beliefs, my opinions as a woman, yeah, you know, to to a larger crowd, um, and so when you attack someone's calling on their life, that I feel like there's no, no lower blow that can be given. You know, if I'm doing what the Lord has called me to do, exactly like Beth said, if I'm following Jesus, if I'm following 100% with full abandon what I feel he has called me to do, one, it's taken me a hard, a long enough hard time to get there into obedience because it's never easy. You know, we mm-hmm. have these thoughts of, are you sure? I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I can do a good enough job, you know? That, that's just the fact. Satan is going to get in our ear. He's going to make us doubt and question our calling. That's just his job. That's what he's going to do. So it's already taken us enough self-preserverance to get over that, to get to where we are. And now we're having someone who is supposed to be walking alongside of us, encouraging us in the faith that's bashing us and doubting us and telling us that we're not biblically accurate right that what we're doing isn't what jesus told us to do um so i took it incredibly incredibly personal on a much bigger much bigger level what when this happened i was at women of destiny here in town which is a huge women's conference that one of the bigger churches holds and lisa brevere was the um this the guest speaker there mm-hmm. And one of the things that she said, which you touched on, but she put it beautifully, eloquently, it was never, no, No, you didn't. (laughs) It was never meant to be a power struggle. Right. God created man 
and woman. He created man and he realized that something was missing. He realized that he, Adam was not to live alone. He was not able to do the work by himself. So then he created woman to work as a union, as a power union, mm-hmm. not a power struggle. And when we can come together as men and women and work together in unity, that's where we're going to ultimately find the biggest joy and the biggest blessing. But when we're constantly batting heads with each other and we're going at combat against each other, Satan's having a field day. He he is getting more work done than we're getting done for the gospel at that point. Um, I think it was about a year ago, we were with Kara and Kevin in Dallas, and I think Mila had just realized that Kevin was a pastor. And very openly, like children do, she asked me this question, and I said, oh, why don't you ask Kevin? And she said, okay. She said, Pastor Kevin, because my kids still call him Pastor Kevin. Mm -hmm. Pastor Kevin, can women be pastors? And I think, you know, he knows where he stands in that. But at the same time, I think it took him aback for a minute because a little girl who he loves and cares for is Mm -hmm. asking him a question and he has two daughters you know asking him a question that his answer may devastate her it may hurt her you know and so his response was one of the most beautiful things that i could have ever asked for he said you know mila i don't necessarily think that women should be pastors but there is a big role in the church that only a woman can fill. And that just brought so much joy to me because mm-hmm. while he may not have agreed with the church that I grew up in, and that's fine, he recognizes the value of a woman Absolutely. within the church. And that's where more of us need to be. Mm-hmm. If Jesus didn't love and recognize women, then why are there so many biblical stories Oh, about yeah, women. so many. I look at Esther. Look mm-hmm. at Rahab. Look at Mary. Who was the first person that Jesus visited when he rose from the dead? Mm-hmm. Two women. You know, there's just so much that we can turn back around and say, yes, Jesus loves men and puts them in a leadership position, but at the same time and in very much the same way, he loves women and puts them in leadership roles in their own unique way as well absolutely and so uh, touching on that the the other question that i have is that in this desired setup for the church that's laid out mm-hmm. the question that that i i bring up and i don't know i didn't really research this all myself this is something that i just really kind of thought of as we were talking okay is this like a if it's not set up exactly this way in your church it's a sin situation or is this more like Celebrate Recovery when we ha- open up a new thing? There's a list of rules that has to happen, and then there's a list of best practices situation. Mm-hmm. So this is, is this a, ideally the church is like this, and it cannot be any other way, or it's sinful? Or is it, ideally the church is like this, but work with what you got kind of situation? And so my, my thought would be, you know, and it's been clear. And I think it's only, I think it's starting to turn around now. But for, for the bulk of my life, I've known that men are slacking in the church. 
Men, men typically uh, are the last people to volunteer for things, to want to lead, and women have stepped up in almost all of these roles uh, and done a phenomenal job all the time. And like you said, like at your church, you had a female worship leader. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, female youth Which pastors. I never knew was a thing. Right. Like, I never knew that that was a big deal until we came here and we're voting on a worship leader. And I'm like, well, why can't a lady do it? And everybody's like, what? And I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't I say it. Sorry. I personally wouldn't have a problem with a female worship leader. Yeah. Because uh, it's not the same thing. It's not a pastoral role. Yeah. It's it's leading one aspect of the church, and I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, female youth pastors. Now we've had we've had female youth pastors at this church, mm-hmm. and um, I think before. it's necessary to have a male and female. We've Agreed. had this discussion yeah. Yeah. before. It's it's more and more necessary. Yeah. Uh, female Sunday school teachers, mm-hmm. uh, but then again, that's where it starts to get tricky. At least at least with uh, adult classes, right? Um, and. Uh, it's, I mean, like you have that verse in the Bible where God says, if, if we're not going to worship, then he'll make the rocks cry out and worship. I kind of see that as, look, if men aren't going to do the job, then I'm going to have women do the job. Yeah. I mean, and I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, and, yeah, I just, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just been... So overly uh, dramatized, I guess, mm-hmm. over the over the last few decades, that that it's become part of the culture. But it it's just it's very hateful mm-hmm. the way we react to it mm-hmm. at large. Yeah, and but at the same time, you have to balance it with the the feminism issue in that. There are a lot of people out there who aren't even tied to the church, but have that feminism mind view that they're pushing the buttons of the conversation, Mm -hmm. trying to get the women angry. And you can see this in Hollywood. And this is something that I always notice. Watch a wedding ceremony on nearly any television show or movie. Pastor's almost always a woman. Yeah. And it's deliberate. That's mm-hmm. a deliberate choice they're making to push the buttons of the of the faith community. Absolutely. And so we have this, and I think so. I think that there are several women that fall into that trap as well, just as the men fall into the trap of thinking that women are lesser, of interpreting that in a way that men are above women because they're better. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women fall into that trap of you know, men are evil mm-hmm. and should be taken out right the feminism mindset yeah and so with both of those sides warring at each other it's hard to not slip into one category or the other when you're discussing your own personal thought or trying to figure out where you stand yeah um like i said i don't i really don't know exactly where i stand on everything uh because you know it seems clear right away but then you have to kind of really think about all these different aspects and is it a sin is it not a sin mm-hmm. is it a uh, best practices thing is it a has to be this way thing did god intend for it to be uh 
women not to be pastors or not to have any leadership ever over any adult man for any kind of purpose, even in like a Bible study or anything like that. So the interpretations range wildly. But I think we can at least agree there is, there is a need to be thoughtful of that decision. Mm-hmm. There, there, it's not something that we can just wipe away and pretend doesn't exist. But at the same time, I think we need to have a little bit more grace in that situation in, in understanding that we could be wrong in the way we're interpreting it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's too many people that aren't willing to take a real hard look at the possibilities of what we're seeing. Right. Because it is one of those situations that is not 100% clear and that must be interpreted. I mean, the whole Bible must be interpreted. And that's why we have all these different denominations. That's why we have all these different versions of the Bible, you know, different uh, translations of the Bible. But ultimately, like you said, it's got to be based in in love and in what is uh, most honoring to God. Mm-hmm. And if we are dishonoring one gender or the other... We're not honoring God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think... Um, and this, I'll give you the last word here because we got to wrap up. <laughs> okay. Hopefully this will be a wrap-up comment. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about how there are men and women youth pastors and that it's... We stand in agreement that that's necessary, that yeah. it is necessary to have a male and a female youth pastor and that's because you have male and female teenagers and for a teenager to a teenage girl to bring her issues her struggles you know her everyday life problems to her youth pastor who is a male mm-hmm. one it's awkward for the, well, the girl yeah. Yeah. it's also awkward for the male and then it opens up a lot of really a lot of doors that just don't need to be open. Exactly, yeah. Um, for a lot of interpretation doors, a lot of doors of gossip, a lot of doors of temptation, just all kinds of doors that, you know. And I could make the argument that it's very much the same for a pastor. You know, we don't change. We just get older. Mm-hmm. And... For a woman to go to a male pastor with her life struggles, her life issues, it's hard. It's difficult for us to go to a man and open up about what's going on in our life. And I would venture to say that that's why a lot of the women are stepping up in the church Mm. because they're filling their void. They're filling a, a void within their life with service and thinking that that's going to help instead of seeking out counsel because it's just hard. I've been there. I've done it. I've that. I've walked it in my own life. Um, now, I also think that that's why the pastor's wife's role is so important because that's really where she comes into play. You know, um, a, the pastor knows that a female within the church is struggling. She's coming in to meet with him. Would it be okay if my wife came and sat down and talk, talked with us as well? You know, Kevin's done that with Kara multiple times. They've walked me through some of my darkest times, not just Kevin, but Kevin and Kara together. Mm -hmm. And had it not been for Kara, I don't think that I would have gone to Kevin with my issues. Yeah. You know, even being some of our best friends, it just would have felt really awkward. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I know I said I was going to finish, but I do have something to add to that now. What you're what you're saying is absolutely right, and and I think that, um, like with Celebrate Recovery, that's 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 a ministry that that uh you know I've been honored to lead now for the mm-hmm. last few years, and uh, when we first started out, immediately I wanted you as the co leader mm-hmm. because. Number one, you're a fantastic leader. Uh, but number two, <laughs> it's I, I saw I saw the need uh, in the years that that uh, our previous leader had. I saw the need that that we really did need a woman in a in a higher role. Yeah. Uh, because with celebrate recovery, especially, it's all those people. Mm-hmm. It's all people that are coming with struggles. Mm-hmm. And to have only men in the role that seems appropriate to go and, you know, talk to or ask questions of, um, you know, it, it seemed like we're not offering, you know, something that would make everybody comfortable. Right. And so having you in that leadership role and now, now uh, Hillary uh, is in that role mm-hmm. as well, uh, it's it's – ideal yeah i think it's perfectly ideal to uh to have that and i think that really does speak to that complementarianism thing is that we're you know, we're 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 complementing each other mm-hmm. in that we're serving in areas where the other one can't and vice versa yeah uh, or at least wouldn't be ideal to and you know opening up doors for others to come mm-hmm. uh where they'd be more comfortable when they feel vulnerable yeah so you're absolutely right and i yeah and i didn't really even think about that until yeah. Well, and what kind of hope are we offering to a struggling woman if she only sees men in leadership? Mm -hmm. You know, what... Especially if the reason she's struggling is because of something that's happened to her from from a a man. man. Exactly. What kind of hope are we offering that, okay, well, Jesus can save me, but he's only going to use me behind the doors of the nursery or children's Sunday school, children's church. Okay. My calling is not to children. I've got three. That's all I need. I hate them all, no. <laughs> I love doing VBS, but that is literally one week out of the year. And that's it. I said and you earlier. Have a lot of other adults helping. Too. Exactly. I said earlier in the week, I don't like childrening. It hurts. It physically hurts me. So for me to say, okay, well, my calling isn't children, then I guess I don't have a calling within the church. That's yeah. not that's not what Jesus says. And right. that's I think we need to take a step back from determining what other people's calling is, male or female, and allow and trust that Jesus is leading them one hundred percent. That's a wrap up comment if I've ever heard one. There you go. <laughs> Uh, real quick, uh, radio updates. Uh, we added music last week. We added uh, a song from Twenty One Pilots from their album Trench that that I missed. That's been fairly po- fairly popular. Called the hype. We added that. Uh, we got new worship music from Stephen McWhorter from Iron Bell Worship uh, and Northwood Worship, who were pretty excited about being added to our rotation. They tweeted us. Awesome. Uh, then a lot of new rap music. A lot of new Christian Say rap. What? A lot of new CHAs jumping here. We got 1K Few, Social Beings, Prophet uh, Josiah, uh, Legion, and even, yes, Kanye West was added to our station last Monday. (laughs) Um, The other news is uh, our app progress update. Okay, so last week, I said hopefully by, by the beginning of November, the app would be up on the, the Apple Store. Uh, it is not. But, <laughs> but, uh, and gosh, it was just, it was a ridiculous process getting it in there. And we finally got it in there. And then it got rejected. It got rejected because it had 
uh, minimum functionality, I guess is what it said. It didn't do enough, uh, essentially. So uh, at once I was uh, very angry uh, about this because just because it's been such a hard process to even get it submitted, 127 step process to get it submitted to the Apple store. And I just wanted it to be done. But that had forced that has forced me to go back into the app and kind of build new elements and pretty some stuff up that I just kind of threw in as a last minute thing. So it actually forced me to make the app a lot better. Hey, honestly. there you go. So we are resubmitting it or we resubmitted it yesterday. Hopefully this week sometime it'll be approved and put up in the store. Uh, if you're an Android user, I've already updated it uh, for the Android. You'll see uh, a lot of new changes. I mean, it'll still look the same, but there are new elements to it, and most of them are now in-app instead of linking you out of the app. Uh, so it's it's very nice. So if your phone's not set to automatically update, go to the Google Play Store and get the update for the app, or uh, download it if you haven't yet on Android phones. iPhone users, hopefully, hopefully it's coming soon. <laughs> all right, well, that's all we got for this hour. Stick around. We'll be back soon to close out the show. Macro Radio is a commercial-free ministry that is partially funded by our Patreon donors. If you like what we do here at Macro Radio and you'd like to support us financially, please visit patreon.com slash Macro Radio. Macro Morning Show, as we close out the show for the day, we got your Bible verse and your thought for the day. Bible verse for the day is 2 Corinthians 3 6. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And our thought for the day comes from, drum roll, Beth Moore. <laughs> Faith is not believing in my own unshakable belief. Faith is believing in an unshakable God when everything in me trembles and quakes. Thank you for joining us today. We're here every Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific, with an encore at 10 Eastern and 7 Pacific. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, usually in the afternoon. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Backrow Radio, and join our laughter-inducing Facebook community at Backrow Baptist Church by going to brbchurch.com. If you love what we do here at the Backrow Morning Show and Backrow Radio as a whole, please consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash Radio. That's it for the show. We will be back tomorrow. We hope you will, too. Mo, what's the final word? We love you, Beth Moore. <laughs> That's it for today's show. If you need us, we'll be in the back. Bye! Bye!